0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Sounds Like Comics, the podcast devoted to all things comic books and movies and TV. I'm Luke from That Film Shoe. My co-host today is Nathan. Hello, thanks for having me. Today's topic, Masters of the Universe, the live-action motion picture. This is your warning, we will be talking spoilers. So don't listen if you don't want to know. Motion picture in the title, that takes me back to Star Trek The Motion Picture. It has like a classic sound to it doesn't it? Mm, it does very indicative or informative of the fact that this is a motion picture but this is a movie based on a toy line mm-hmm. mattel began development of he-man and the masters of the universe in the late 1970s with in the barbarian inspired concepts from roger sweet mark taylor donald f glut and several other contributors the catalyst for the creation of He-Man began in 1976 when Mattel's CEO Ray Wagner declined a request to produce a toy line of action figures based on the characters from Star Wars. I did not know that. They should not have declined because Star Wars went on to make Kenner so much money. Oh yeah. I don't want to get too far into the toys. I think maybe we'll we'll stop there because we could touch on it later. There we will do so many documentaries and mm. podcasts all well, about he-man masters yeah. of the universe well the toys were the impetus for the movie for all intents and purposes so for the most part we can stick to the 87 movie yep. but i just thought just to get a bit of history on where they came from but yeah they essentially wanted their own barbarian line and mm. came up with he-man as an original property hmm.
1: it's funny because i always thought it was, it was a, a cartoon first before it was a toy line i mean when i was a kid I watched the cartoon and then I discovered the toys okay
0: so it was a toy line and at Mattel they're like well hang on we've got these original characters kids don't know who they are so they started inserting little comic books and mm. later DC right. I think maybe Marvel did some comics as well but it, it started as that like they mm. do little character cards on the packaging that's right but even that wasn't enough because mm. not all kids read comics no so the cartoon was a natural it was a no-brainer so From 83 to 84, that's when we had the Filmation animated series He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. Yep, and that was my introduction to the character. The same for me. The cartoon made its TV debut on September 5th, 1983 with the episode The Diamond Ray of Disappearance. That's where it all started. But I mean, we know that toys sell, and that's how these companies are going to make money. So when you get an animated series, if it doesn't have a successful toy line... That animated series is going to get scrapped. That's what happened to the Green Lantern series, Yep. which at the time was Bruce Tim's last DC animated series. He's since come back from movies, but that was the last series that he did. And unfortunately, because Ryan Reynolds' Green Lantern movie didn't perform, toy shops, they were still overflowing with Ryan Reynolds' Green Lantern toys. Mm. They weren't then going to commit to this new animated series. But it was all about toys. Oh yeah. He Man was all about toys. I had all the toys, I loved them. Oh, I had, I had them as well. Although if you think back on it now and even then, they were a bit naff at the same time, how mm. you could just pull the arms and legs off. Because yeah. like, it had like there was attached to like rubber ball. it was like yeah, a rubber band. Ball bearing rubber, ball.
1: rubber ball. Alright, indulge me. Who was what was your favourite He Man toy? Oh He Man.
0: I'd say He Man. I quite liked the battle damage armor as well. Yeah, I that, had those that
1: came out. For me it was skeletor, and I remember this one kid in my neighborhood, straight up for me, he had the Skeletor I wanted with the proper armor with the lapels on it and everything and the crest and all that. I wanted that Skeletor so badly but I had the battle damage one, which was cool, but I want, remember wanting that
0: legit Skeletor. And squishy heads. Yes. Hard bodies, squishy yes, heads. That's right. But always liked the design of Skeletor. He was badass. He's blue with a yellow skull. <laughs> How, How can you not love that as a kid? It's a, it's a great design. Do you remember
1: Scareglow? No. Scareglow was like a Like a weird version of Skeletor that was kind of like, it was basically like Skeletor, but he was like white all over and he he glowed. I think he sounds like
0: a repurposed figure <laughs> because what they did yeah. a lot of it at Mattel he was is they cool. just re-released yeah. figures slightly different. Yeah, so, it, was
1: a play, it was a play on the design of Skeletor, but instead of just having a, a skull for a face, he was he had this kind of like bone suit all over oh, him that, okay. that so th- just glowed, oh, okay. glowed
0: white in the dark. It was awesome. I thought you were saying that they got a Skeletor figure painted him a different colour and Good then sold it color. as a different character. I'll show you off here a picture of him. In 1990, we got The New Adventures of He-Man. Then and now... It's shit. Oh, yeah. It is not good. We've got a skinny Mm He-Man. He's got a ponytail. (laughs) It's just, it's not good. And they changed it so he's no longer in Eternia. It went from more of like a a Conan fantasy world. Mm. It was more sci-fi. You've got He-Man being transported to... Is that the one where he has like an energy sword as opposed to... It is, yeah. It takes place in the futuristic planet of
1: Primus. No. I had that energy sword as a kid, my parents bought it for me, and I'd much prefer the original He-Man sword. I remember getting the original He-Man sword toy as a kid and loving the absolute crap out of it.
0: But yeah, the new adventures, not a good show. Terrible, terrible. I think we've covered enough of He-Man outside of Dolph, so let's get into it. The film stars Dolph Lundgren Frank Langella, John Cypher, Chelsea Field, Billy Barty, Courtney Cox, Robert Duncan McNeil, and Meg Foster. Dolph Lundgren is He-Man, a well-muscled superhero battling the evil Skeletor played by Langella for control of the universe. See, so it's similar from that mm-hmm. to the to the cartoon. Yeah. This movie deviates from that cartoon oh, yeah. so much at is. least that's sounding like he-man i was wondering how long it was going to take to get to the elephant in the room
1: there is one glaring oversight about this movie and you could probably guess what it is straight up at that i mean i've got an idea but what are you thinking i was going to say it's not actually filmed on etonia it's on earth <laughs> oh
0: well yes that you, is glaringly of- obvious i thought that's too obvious for you to mean that but yeah i mean it's purely budget, they wanted to yeah. make a cheaper movie. Yeah, so they couldn't do any Eternia scenes. Originally the first draft apparently had no Eternia. Mm. It was all earth, but they at least got to We got a little buck-ended. bit of Eternia, but not a lot. For me the Eternia bits are the best bits. Mm. And what I like about it is we're introduced to this movie, Skeletor has won. I love that. So like the heroes are on the back foot, evil is winning and they're on the run. So yep. that for me as a kid, and even now, is exciting. Yeah. Okay, okay, because you know the good guys win. That's that's what happens. Yeah. But we're introduced to this live action He Man movie and evil has won. Mm-hmm. So in the film, Skeletor has designs on conquering planet Eternia, a ravaged utopia ruled over by the sorceress of Grey Castle. Who was imprisoned by Skeletor's forces. Yeah. He-Man is summoned to stop Skeletor's plans, but when the wily dwarf Gwildor utilises his cosmic key, He-Man and Skeletor find themselves transported to California. Wow. Ridiculous. There Mm -hmm. There is a waitress named Julie, played by Courtney Cox, and her boyfriend Kevin, played by Robert Duncan Mitchell. I know him as Tom Paris in Star Trek Voyager. Okay. The two of them come across the cosmic key and become embroiled in the intergalactic battle between He-Man and Skeletor.
1: Yeah, the one thing I thought was pretty cool. Oh, they did right. Was Man at Arms? Man at Arms looked, looked like Man at Arms in the in the um, in the cartoon, and he had his moustache too. So I was okay, like, I was See, like, cool helmet, moustache, nailed it. Yeah, nailed it. Got it. I mean, yeah, it's I, cool. I, I thought Guldor was pretty crap. I was like, I remember going, is this a movie studio's
0: attempt at Orko? Yes. Not attempt at, instead of. Orko would have been too expensive Mm. to include in this movie, so they created this original character. Yeah, I remember thinking that as a kid. I was like, is this Orko? What the the crap? Yeah, this... (laughs) Honestly, the, the majority of this movie, it's like kind of looks like he man Yeah, but not really your child brain is able to
1: kind of nitpick and go wait a minute something's off here that's not that or he's not here who he's supposed to be and
0: you can kind of start picking it apart with your your kid logic the movie was released theatrically in the United States on August 7th 1987 it was a critical and commercial failure grossing Mm. 17 million worldwide against a budget of 22 Mm. million well didn't make back it's bank Although now regarded as a cult classic film, not my opinion, mm-hmm. what I read online. <laughs> but it's got a cult status. I love that not my opinion disclaimer you put there. And honestly, like, hi, I borrowed your DVD because I could not track this down here in Australia. Mm. Now, streaming service Stan do have it available iTunes, JB Hi Fi, but you cannot get it on there. Yeah. And even your DVD would not play my PlayStation. I had well, to watch it on a different DVD was player. was determined to not like you. Trying to watch this movie was problematic, but you, I did get to watch it. You will not play me, Luke. You will not succeed. <laughs> Playing He-Man, we've got Dolph. He's not built like Harney was in Conan. No. But he's still a he guy, been. solid build. Yeah, big dude. His second movie. Like, yeah. he did Rocky Four. Yeah, I remember that. I must, did this. I must break you.
1: What was it? I, I, must, break you. I, I, I must, must break you? I must break you. I must
0: break you. <laughs> Honestly, his performance in Rocky Four is so much better than what we're getting this. Oh, yeah. I just think the director dialogue is less didn't is feel comfortable saying to Dolph, "Can we maybe do one more take?" Or yeah. well, Dolph, don't speak. He mm. does okay, and again, it's only his second film, so I think mm. for the most part he does yeah. well. But there's some of his lines they should have got him to do it again because it sounds like. Is reading and not actually saying the line. Yeah, yeah, I'll agree with that. It's a bit ham-fisted, isn't it? It was embarrassed mm. that he played He-Man. Looking back at it now, I've heard in interviews that he remembers the time fondly, or the, or you know, he likes the fact that he made this movie. Mm. But at the time, like he he was starting to make a career, yeah, and he'd gone make, from make Rocky Four and then now he's playing a toy. <laughs> and back then, like if you look at Comic book movies, superhero adaptions in '87. It's not like now, and this is yeah. two years before Tim Burton's Batman as well. Yeah,
1: they, they they were not revered properties
0: back then like they are now. Frank Langella, he liked playing Skeletor. I think whether it was his kid or grandkids, maybe at the time '87, it had been his kids or someone in his family. Mm. They were a fan of the animated series. Mm. So he he jumped at the chance to play Skeletor. I will say this:
1: Langella, Langella, however you want to pronounce it, is the saving grace of this movie. He completely owns a Skeletor, and he's so badass. His delivery is—it's almost Shakespearean, like the way he embraces the role, and he's so badass as Skeletor.
0: Oh, he—he's great. Like he, his performance. It's as if he's in a different movie. Yeah, to everybody. It's like else. he's. It's, it's funny because everyone. You get the sense that everyone else is just kind of taking the piss
1: and just kind of just like having fun with their roles. Oh, it's a toy property, whatever. And he's. It's like he's really serious. It's like he's being method as hell, and he's just like you know I'm going to be this dude with the skull face. I'm going to be as bad as crap as I can be. I'm going I'm to be so like mean and just dominating and evil. I'm
0: going to I'm going to show everyone up, and he totally does. I've just fact checked. It was at the time his four year old son. Mm. Who was a fan? So go. for a dad to go to work, I'm doing it. For put you, on son. this makeup and costumes and everything else, and be a character that his son's a fan of. I'm doing it for you, son. <laughs> exactly right. I can I can see how he yeah. takes joy from that.
1: Yeah, yeah. And the funny thing is, when you look when you see it as a kid, and you look at Skeletor and you get your first glimpse of him. And you go, hang on. He hasn't got a skull face like he does in the cartoon. But the one thing that is cool is that his nose, the way they paint it or the way it's done up, does look skeletal, like, chip, like,
0: like bone kind of chipped away on the front of his nose. And that's it. It's like, yeah, he's got no cartilage because it's just yeah. a bone. Yeah. What I really like I thought that was is, cool. is the look. And he's mm. got like fangs. So you're that looking cool. at him and it's a skull. And I completely go with this because I like the effects they've used. Mm. But his, his face moves. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't... Not just... like a skull one. Yeah,
1: yeah. Because a skull would... Jaw would just drop straight and off. And that's so it. So like cool.
0: Skeletor in the comic, he had that flapping jaw. Yeah.
1: And that... Like, <laughs> and <a> crappy little <laughs> sissy
0: laugh And some yeah. like an old man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it got in shape for the movie. Like, you know, because if you look at the cartoon, like, you know, you've got Skeletor's ripped blue abs. Yeah. So for this movie, Langella is in shape. Yeah. And then they're like, we're going to put a cloak on you. Yeah, he's like, oh. yeah. and then we're going to put this shiny gold armor on you later, yeah, on. later
1: on when you're a god. Yeah,
0: but that, like, it wouldn't have worked if you had
1: given him this sissy laugh and stuff for the movie. It would have been stupid. It wouldn't work. He needed to be medicine. honestly. The he performance
0: in this for Skeletor is incredible. Oh yeah, like, it was like so he,
1: you know, what? it's like, it's almost like he was the Michael Shannon Zod of his day. Right? Yeah, yeah from yeah. Man of Steel. Got yeah.
0: You. Courtney Cox before Friends, <laughs> like she wow. is in this movie go. as Julie. Do you really want that on your resume though? What Master of the Universe. Hmm. At the time it could have been something. Like, you know, Star Wars had come out. I mean, when was Return of the Jedi? Was that before this? I think it would have been. Like mid eighties. But anyway, so you've potentially got the you know, the first Star Wars trilogy eighty eighty one, wasn't it? Right. I know oh, what we're doing. Right. So seventy seven was Star Wars A New Hope, and then yeah. I think maybe 80 was Empire. So it would be early 80s yeah. for Jedi. Yeah. Okay, so the trilogy's out, so people have gone to watch Star Wars. So I guess the people at the no Canon group are thinking, space Opera, let's do our own Star Wars. Yep. So if I'm a young actress like Courtney Cox, I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. sure, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll be in this movie. Maybe it'll be something. Mm hmm. Didn't work out. It was a bomb at the box office. Mm. But in 94, she had friends. so it, it worked so out for her. She won her way back to the winner's circle. James Tolkien, Detective Hugh Lubick. He's the dude I remember. The bald guy with the to shotgun. the future. He's in yep. Back to the Future as well. Yep. yep. I always remember him. He's got one of those real memorable, memorable faces that you see in lots of movies. And then the last time we see him in Eternia, he's got that really sleazy scene and he's got the girl on his arm yeah. and he's like... I'm just going to stay here. Look. <laughs> yeah. Sleazy. Yeah, yeah. But come on. Bald dude with a shotgun. That's pretty badass. Christina Pickles is sorceress. That's a fun name to say. Christina Pickles. She Wait. played the sorceress and she actually got to act again with Courtney Cox. Mm, okay. She played her mother wow. on Friends. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Well, in the movie, in the He-Man movie,
1: she doesn't really do much. She's just... Stuck Stud, in like a stood is, aging, de-aging. Yeah, yeah, in, in like a force field type <laughs> thing, and she just stands there withering away and, and trying to be all philosophical and Skeletor is mocking her.
0: Yeah. Hmm.
1: Yeah. Thank you for that little
0: bit of philosophy, sorceress. Here is my response. And here's the sword. But it, I mean, yeah, he's he's mm. not he's not the best. Oh, Meg Foster is evil Lynn. Oh yeah. She is great in this. My favorite my favorite
1: moment with, between her and Skeletor, the bit where she says, I'm sorry, I misspoke, or something to that effect. And he just totally, like, completely destroys her and goes, Well, then, you should not have spoken.
0: And she's just like, Okay, well played. I'm loving that you're bringing all these quotes to the show. Yeah, I remember it. Come on, man. Eva Lynn, a lot of people complimented the movie on the contacts she was wearing. Mm. Wasn't wearing contacts. Wow. That's her there eyes. Well, wow, <laughs> they're naturally pale. And it's it's probably why she ended up playing so many villains in that time because she had that menacing look in her eyes. Sure, sure. She did a good job. I wanted to see more henchmen in the movie. I wanted to see Beast Man, you know, I wanted to see
1: Spycore and all those druids. The
0: the scene where the the mission fails, like the the bad guys go to Earth, Mm. to California, they go back (laughs) to Eternia and they've failed. And Beastman is whimpering and all yeah, like cowering. apologetic. I'm like, no. That's not Beastman, people. No, it's badass. ridiculous. Yeah, I
1: didn't like that. And there were people that you didn't even realize. Like, people that weren't in the cartoon, like Blade. Blade wasn't in the cartoon. Uh, and then that whitehead thing with the weird monster oh, face. Oh, yeah,
0: that the hair. Yeah, the hair. Always freaked me 80s out. 80s glam that white band hair. 80s glam band hair. Yeah. They might have, may, as, may as well just call him Motley Crew. The guy playing Blade was Anthony DeLongis, and he was the one that trained uh, Dolph. Ah, for the, the stunts right, and Dolph did majority of his own stunts as well, well so I that would have that. saved him quite there a bit of money but I, I knew that when I was doing this rewatch that like mm. he was doing a lot of his own stunts mm. so there's a bit where he grabs like a rope or a flag or something and swings, yeah, swings across from one platform to another that's in like the big final climactic <sighs> battle after, it after the, it the whip is. scene and yeah. it, it looked like a bloke just swinging
1: yeah <laughs> it looked really like, stupid. but you know
0: he's, he's doing his own stunts yeah. it was before the effects that we have today Yeah, but it did look a little bit like a kid just on a rope swing <laughs> wee yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it was it was missing some of the iconic characters from the cartoon that we would have loved to have seen. Well, you mentioned Man-at-Arms already, played yeah, really? by John Cypher. So he's there, his daughter, Teela, played by oh, yeah. Chelsea Field. That's right. And she does something heroic at one point, and she goes, more like Woman-at-Arms. <laughs> okay. Right? Good. Yeah. Your Man-at-Arms daughter. Yeah, yeah, See yeah. what you did there? Nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she. I guess the only memorable bit with her is... She makes a remark when He-Man first shows up with Julie, like, oh, you've been busy. He's got a pretty thing on his arm. Yeah. And the bit with the ribs where Gwildor, yeah. he, that was like a fast food chicken place. That's or, right. And he gets some, and she's eating the meat off the bone. And she's like, what are these white sticks? The food comes on. And then Man-at-Arms makes reference to the fact that it's an animal. Yeah, that's right. And she freaks out. And then, oh, this mm. planet is barbaric. Yeah. you Yeah. Eternity, yeah. yeah. Like, you know, I'm sure... What are they eating on Eternia? Yeah, exactly yeah. right. I'm sure you've come up against this before. Uh, mm. Gwildor, we talked about him already, played yeah. by Billy Barty. And, yeah, he was created to replace Orko. Wow. Well, who, you know, was a popular character. Yeah, everyone loved Orko. I mean, I hated Orko, but even even he would have sufficed over Gwildor. <laughs> yeah, but even he would have been better. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Peter Brooks was the narrator. I don't know nothing else about Peter Brooks, but I always thought... It was Skeletor talking Yeah, like well, when this movie opened, but it's not. Why, it's some bloke named Peter Brooks. Why does it need a narrator? It's how it opens. Mm. What I did like, though, that opening, you know when you see Eternia? I never noticed as a kid, because why would you? Yeah. It's a painting. Yeah. So much of Eternia, it's just a camera filming a painting. Wow. But I still... Love it, like mm, the design. So like, cool. I don't care. Like it looks still so cool. good. They used to use paintings as like as backgrounds, and they'd get, That's true. And then you get things closer to the camera. But this is like purely. Can you imagine a him? cameraman just filming yeah. a painting?
1: Can you imagine how cool Etonio would look with today's, you know, CGI and green screen capabilities? They're
0: still said to be doing a movie. Like at one yeah. point, John Woo was going to do a He Man yeah. movie. But even as recent as a couple of months ago, they're talking about doing a movie next year. We'll just have to wait and I see. I guess we'll just
1: to live in hope. One thing that occurs to me about this movie, you never see Prince Adam. You never see He-Man's alter ego, Prince Adam. No, because
0: I think within this movie's continuity, there is no Prince Adam. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about He-Man then. This is my big takeaway. Yep. So what we're led to believe, Skeletor has won. He has the power. Mm-hmm. That's the whole thing. Like evil, good, one of them needs to have the power. Yep. I have the, the power, power. Does get said in this movie, but what was missing though is that Dolph as He Man is just as capable before and after taking the sword and mm. saying, "I have the power." He the would whole use point that in the cartoon, yeah, but the whole point is that he's it's like Clark Kent to his Superman. Yeah. he's Prince Adam. He lifts up the sword, says by the, the power of Grayskull, I had the power, and he changes into He-Man, and then He Man. Exactly can't. right. and then he becomes all powerful. Yeah. it's the power. It's the power to become master yeah, of the yeah. universe, but it's not in this at all. So you've got the scene where Skeletor, so I'm talking third act, Skeletor, all powerful and he's firing lightning bolts at He-Man and He-Man, he's still struggling through and he pulls out the sword. So it's sort of like he's proving how capable he is and how strong he is, yeah. but then he goes, I have the power. And he's just He-Man. And then nothing happens. Nothing happens. It's just Nothing him. happens. Yeah. But the look, though, see, so it's it is different. I think they went through many different designs. Mm. We've got him. He starts off. He's got the red cape. He's yeah. got the gold he's design. Got the, the breastplate thing going That's on. That's right.
1: Yeah, yeah. So
0: I think he looks. Well,
1: like, fine. Where's where's Cringer? Where's Battle Cat? Come on, you yeah. know. We need we need to Battle Cat. Like he was he was He Man's faithful um, familiar. He used to ride Battle Cat on a harness, and that was the whole thing. Cringer. Yeah, yeah Cringer he, he was he a cowardly cowardly and. Yeah, and then he'd point
0: the sword at Cringer, and he'd turn into this big, hulking, badass Another example of him using the power to transform, not just himself, but mm. Cringer as well. Mm. You know, I think the documentary I watched was um, Power of Grayskull, and it's on Netflix still. It's a really good He-Man documentary, and they go through everything. They even touch on this movie. Yeah. But they were talking about, with the toy design, they had a leftover tiger from a different toy line. Like they painted green, but when putting yeah. it beside the other He-Man characters, it was far too big. Mm. So do you know how they solved the problem? How? Put a saddle on him. Oh, Genius. Honestly, Bingo. I recommend that documentary. Oh, it's I great. Watch, it's on I Netflix. have to watch it. I it's, have to watch it. It's got a really long title. I think it's called Power of a Skull: The Definitive History of He-Man. He-Man and the Masters oh, of, of the, the Universe. That is a long title.
1: Try saying that 10 times fast.
0: I think I nailed it as well. I'm pretty sure that's exactly what it's what
1: it's called. Yeah, but there was... There were holes in this movie, as, as we have pointed out. Oh, yeah. many holes in this movie. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was ter- <laughs> terrible. <laughs> oh, it was terrible. Oh, not terrible. That's, that's like, bold. Not terrible, but it just. I guess it let. If you watch the cartoon and and you got the toy line, there's there are things to be disappointed by. You're like, oh, where's this? Oh, where's that? You know, like when made, this when this
0: movie came out as well, the toys were still really popular. Yeah, big So time. I guess what they were hoping would happen with this movie, they'd sell more toys. Yeah, what actually happened in reality, they continued to sell lots of toys but the needle wasn't moved at all Mm. in relation to this movie. They probably disappointed the fan base. Well, they spent all this money on the movie and it made no difference really to the profits, only a loss. At the box office, they didn't actually sell more toys because of it. Whereas the toy was already
1: popular before the movie came out. So like you say, they didn't really achieve much.
0: Tonally... I mean, you do... It has its moments. It does, but it, it's not Conan. <laughs> like not. It's, no. it's really Conan not. Conan was way more badass. Way more badass. This is a mandate from Mattel early in production. Yep. He-Man cannot kill. And that's why Skeletor's troops, robots. Oh, there you go. Because he cannot kill, but he can dismantle robots. Mm. He'd strike them... There'd be sparks, it would fall down. Well, it's just like in the X-Men cartoons, you know, it was always like, oh,
1: in the comics, Wolverine could slash and, and claw way for anyone he likes, but in the cartoons, it's got to be a robot, can't be a person.
0: Yeah, I mean, that that is it. But it's like, okay, so we're going to do Conan the Barbarian starving Arnold Schwarzenegger. He can't kill anyone. Mm-hmm. You'd be like, what? I don't know, He-Man, you know, it was geared towards kids. But when you're going to do a live action version, you'd expect a bit more of an edge to it. Yeah. And Mattel just would not allow it. Yeah, some
1: scenes were pretty cringeworthy. I mean, you know, the, the whip scene where like Skeletor orders him out
0: to be whipped. Well, <laughs> the yeah, the it's like a, a light, not lightning, but it's like it's an a luminous it's a laser, whip. It's a laser a whip. A laser whip. A right. luminous. That but the wouldn't thing hurt.
1: Is, and this never occurred to me until I watched it as an adult. He man appears to enjoy it because at one point he, <laughs> he, he, lean, he leans his buttocks no, into the
0: shot. No, 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 no! I can't believe that.
1: It's really weird. Oh, Go you back know and watch what? it. Go I'm gonna have to
0: it. now just yeah. to see if that's true. That cannot true. be true. He does no. this thing where
1: he does this little. This, he does this little swivel,
0: I and, he, and he loves know. it. I think somebody's reading into it. Ah,
1: uh, it's, <laughs> That's weird. it's, actually it's really weird. weird. It's really okay, weird. Okay, okay, maybe He-Man... People are, when, when, you, when you watch that scene on YouTube and you scroll okay. down and you, look, and you look at the comments below, people are actually talking okay, about so it. Okay,
0: so potentially He-Man likes bum stuff, but we'll have to go on, bum stuff. On he's, in, he's enjoying the whip scene. <laughs> okay. It's really weird. Okay. Other special effects that don't involve <laughs> He-Man's bum. Uh, <laughs> these are a lot of miniatures in this, which was pretty common of the 80s. Uh, they used leftover buildings from movies like Blade Runner Ghostbusters just to fill in the background, yeah because a lot of it is earth, so they had yeah. to like, so they had a lot of movies to pull yeah to pull miniatures from mm. Mm. and it's just you've got the street, the suburbs, and then you've got that portal, yeah, and it the... almost looks like a float. You know, you get like an American fair, yeah. Like Skeletor's on his float and he's coming down the
1: street. That's right. That's what that reminded me of, like Macy's Day Parade float. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And here comes Skeletor in his float. Isn't that cute? Way to the way to Skeletor kids.
0: But at at that point, (laughs) I mean, it's ridiculous anyway. Yeah, it's a bit dumb. So we start in Eternia, we end in Eternia. The whole thing, as well, is that Julie is upset; she's breaking up with a boyfriend Mm. because. Her parents died in a plane crash. She's upset and she needs to leave and she needs a fresh start.
1: That's right. Because
0: she wakes up and has that.
1: Or Didn't she have like a dream or
0: a, a premonition that
1: her parents were going to die? And she's telling them, don't go on holiday. They're not going to going to survive or something along so those lines. The movie
0: ends with the human still in Eternia. He-Man once again has the power. Mm. He says the immortal line. And then Gwildor, he's saying, I can send you back to Earth. Before. this device all, also acts as a time machine. Change, send you back so I could go. send you back to any time you would like. And Julie's like, okay. And she's about to jump From through salt. the portal. And then she's like, by the way, Gwildo, <laughs> take me back to before my parents. And then she's gone. But he did. So yeah. she wakes up and then her parents are still alive. They're not left for the flight oh, where her dad God. was flying. So I'm assuming it's a small plane. Mm-hmm. And then she takes the keys and leaves the house. And that's where she meets with her boyfriend who has the little stones that the sorcerer gave them. Mm-hmm. And she's like, wow, it was real. It really happened. Mm. The end. Mm. <laughs> that's, that's the end. So we get a little bit of a turn and then she's back. And it's, it works out for her because that was the whole thing of her character end. that she had that tragic loss. Yeah. And maybe, the
1: vehicle, maybe it was a whole vehicle just for her to get some kind of closure with her dad or with her parents.
0: And she got it. So it's, got a happy, it. it's a happy, happy ending. ending. Good prevailed. The humans are back on Earth, except for that bald cop who's got his young girlfriend. <laughs> and a shotgun. I can't believe we've gone this long without talking about one of the best things about this movie, which I will say, to this day, mm-hmm. still stands up. Mm-hmm. The score. Okay. I yeah. absolutely love the score. Now, you think back to that cartoon. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty cool opening theme song, but this movie has an epic score composed by Bill Conti. Okay. Okay. If that name's all familiar to you, he did Rocky. He did the Gonna Fly Now Rocky theme. Love that, love this. It is amazing. I will open the podcast with a snippet of this theme. It is so good. It's such a good soundtrack. And I have it. I actually bought the CD. Big fan of the soundtrack. Okay. But what happened after this movie? I mean, we didn't get a sequel. Probably a good thing we didn't get a sequel. Well, we, we nearly got... A couple, potentially. Mm. But due to the commercial failure among other films such as Superman 4, The Quest for Peace and Life Force, that contributed to the eventual closure of Canon Films. That's who made this movie. Uh, okay. So the the production company, the studio, was gone. Canon Films had intended to create a Masters of the Universe sequel indicated by the end credits with a reveal that Skeletor survives his fall Mm. the sequel was titled masters of the universe 2 cyborg oh we probably
1: should touch on the fact that he-man and skeletor do have that epic battle um whereby skeletor is uh, for all intents and purposes a god because he was waiting for the the moon to rise and then when the moon rose he was going to gain these godlike powers to defeat he-man uh, then the, it just never uh, it, that does happen. He does become a god, but then they have this really stupid, flimsy fight on the bridge. Where all you get is some weird lighting behind them and some smoke and mirrors. And then Skeletal Force.
0: Right, yeah, and that's when mm. we get to the to the end. That's how we get to this point. Where well, Skeletal Force. We didn't get a Master of the Universe two, but we did get a movie called Cyborg, which was a repurposed script, and they cast Jean Claude Van Damme. That movie exists. Okay, Van Damme movie Cyborg. You will watch it. And it's like watching a Masters of Universe film because it's got so much DNA from this first movie in that. Maybe they wanted Van Dam to be He Man. They yeah. actually, I'll get to that, but they was looking at another actor, not Dolph. Okay. But there were going to be other characters in this movie as well in the sequel. They were going to have Trap Jaw and introduce Shira. So that's oh Shira, nice. Are you familiar with pro surfer Laird Hamilton? No. Me neither. But he was originally set to replace Dolph as He-Man, and the only aspect known about the sequel's screenplay was that He-Man would have returned to Earth and was disguised as a professional quarterback. Mm, There you go. I mean, that sounds a bit shit. Uh, It does. With a low budget of $4.5 the project was abandoned when Canon would not pay Mattel's fees. The production... Instead, utilize the already made costumes as sets for the low-budget film Cyborg. So there you go. Okay, there so you the go. idea was to have this Hamilton guy in the Cyborg sequel. Right. We're learning stuff. I thought that, initially, I thought that was two separate <laughs> learning sequels. Stuff. But yes, yeah, so there was one planned sequel.
1: If we get one good shred of goodness that comes from this podcast, it'll be the
0: fact that we're learning things that we didn't know before. There's a line of dialogue. Mm -hmm. I'm surprised you've not given it already. You've done quite a few Skeletor quotes. I have. And it's it's a good one. Mm -hmm. Tell me about the loneliness of good He-Man. Is it equal to the loneliness of evil? It sounds like... Such a good line. It is. Too good for this movie. And delivered by Langella as well.
1: Well, there you go. But it almost sounds like they're trying to riff on Conan with that, you know, that infamous scene where Conan's asked what the you know what is best in life. Right. Yeah. It
0: sounds like that they're going for that. They did a variation of the line as well in the crossover comic miniseries "Injustice versus Masters of the Universe." Okay. So we don't get many references to this movie, so that's a rare one. Mm-hmm. We do get another one in the new series, He-Man and the Masters of the Multiverse. Oh, that's coming out. I think it came out this week. Oh, there you go. Brings together various iterations of the character. Including the Dolph the last version. three decades, yeah. We get the Dolph version as well. It's in the first issue. I don't know if we see him again, but I'm intrigued. And the way they've done the cover, you've got like the flashes of lightning. And yeah. then in the different panels of lightning, there's different versions okay, of um, He-Man. I've, I have one of them. I think Saw that. the left shoulder is Dolph. Yeah, because you see... So that's pretty cool. Yeah, I recognise the armour. And Tim Seeley is the writer oh, on that book. And they've got various artists, uh, Dan, yep. Frager. Cool, I might have to check Richard it out. Friend. Well, I am a He-Man fan, so I suppose I owe it to my childhood self to check that out. Yeah, I mean, it looks pretty cool. I think I might wait until trade, but yeah. Yeah, trade wait. Looks pretty good. And uh, one last thing for He-Man, you know, a, we may or may not still get a new movie... But we're definitely getting a new animated series, Masters of the Universe Revelation. I wonder if it'll be faithful to the originals. In August... Have you you heard about this? No, I haven't. Oh, get ready. You're going to like this. I I know you're also a fan of the showrunner. In August 2019, Kevin Smith announced at 2019 PowerCon that he and Netflix are developing a new series titled Masters of the Universe Revelation. Well, there you go. Hold on to your butts. And that will be a direct sequel to He-Man and the Masters of the Universe that follows Teela searching for the missing power sword. So that show we like from the 80s, mm-hmm. Kevin Smith is doing a continuation. Oh, cool. I hope it retains the classic look and feel. I don't think it's going to have the look because I'm pretty sure it's the same production studio that did Castlevania for Netflix. And they right. do have more of an anime style. Gotcha. So it might not be the same look of that show but hopefully... It, it references a lot of canon. or Yeah, I mean, it's a, a continuation. Of... I don't know what they're doing regarding the voice cast, but we'll just have to wait and see. But mm. It sounds pretty cool either way. You just jogged my memory, actually. I remember one of the, toy... one of the
1: toys of the toy line was called Faker, or Faker, and Faker was like Skeletor's attempt to clone He-Man.
0: Blue He-Man. Blue He-Man. That's an example of them taking a pre-existing toy, painting him a different colour. With the same shitty hairstyle. Yeah, yeah. and they painted it yellow. Yeah. We? I remember that. Yeah, Faker. Yeah, they... They didn't... Oh, man, some of the names they went with, like... Some had, of the names are so great. Stinkor Stinkor was great. He was another one. Yeah, Merman.
1: Oh, I'm trying to think of some other ones. I'm trying to think of some, some, some toy line names that I
0: remember from being... From Mossman. Yes, Mossman was, was cool. He was another one. Oh, okay. I mean, there's that many Yeah, and you characters. can have so much fun with it. We, if, we could just keep going. In fact, the Mossman
1: pop vinyl is, is uh, textural. It's flocked. When oh, you, really? You can touch it, and it, it feels like, like moss. They've done that for the um, Lion King pops. pops as yeah. well, I and I and Flopped. I actually want to find that pop, because it would be pretty cool, the Man Pop, to have. Um, I had an opportunity to get the He-Man and Skeletor Pops, but I, I, I declined. I'm wishing I had, had got them now.
0: We need to get back on track. <laughs> Masters do. of the Universe 1987. Yes. If you're going to rate this movie out of five.
1: Mm, okay, look, I am probably going to come in at about three. Maybe three and a half yeah look like if if you were asking like kid me this question i'd be like oh five straight away i love it. it's best together but <laughs> that's the nathan that's usually on the podcast <laughs> yeah so why don't i just give it a five but no um if you're asking you know nearly 40 year old me 30 nearly 39 year old me i'm gonna go with three three because i can I, there's so many holes in the damn thing that you see when you get much older um i look i i i, I like parts of it and it sort of like evokes those memories of when you're a kid and you love the show and you love the toy line so much, but you just can't look at it with the, with that same like childlike love for it as you are like now. You you look at look all you see with it now is just, you know, where's so-and-so, where's this, where's that, why is this wrong, this doesn't look right, you know, that doesn't
0: make sense. Then you just see the plot holes. This movie is a missed opportunity, but then I get it though, budget Restraints, mm, but then it's like that was like the big on, one. That was the big one. On one hand, if you can't afford to do it, should you do it? And if they didn't, we wouldn't have been here today with talk anything to talk about. Yeah, exactly right. So, so I th- suppose we owe it some. I'm glad that it exists. As mm. a kid, I did watch and enjoy. it But looking back on it now, as an adult, it's yeah. Again, we've said it like it's masters of the universe in name only. You know, in for the yeah, most in part. name only. So I'm going to come in a little bit low, but not drastically low. Oh, but do I? Because I do love that score. You know what? I'm going to come in at a three as well, because mm. that score still to this day is just epic. Mm. It's oh, a great yeah. score. That... So just like yourself, yeah, I'll come in three out of five. So is the score the saving grace for you? It's at least a 0.5. It's got it up from a 2.5. So yeah, it's... And, you know, again, Dolph's second movie, mm. and I don't think he's yet an actor. He's given better performances since this movie. But he's, he's young and he's finding his feet. And there's, there's a couple of lines where he should have maybe done another take, which yeah. is not completely on him. Like mm. you know, he's got people around him, a director. I think I think uh, a big part of my score is
1: obviously Frank Langella. Frank Langella's performance. Oh, he's solid. Is, is what's getting me over the line here? He's solid.
0: He's the one great thing to to like about this movie. And you do like the fact that the actor the cast as Man-at-Arms has a moustache. Yeah, and has has the helmet. He's got a helmet. He's not got the little circuits on there, but he's got a helmet.
1: Yeah, it's somewhat referencing the character's look, at least.
0: I feel like we could just go on and on and on. And on and on and on. on on. Well, that's it for our episode all about Masters of the Universe. If you want to contact us about this episode or request a topic for an upcoming show, you can find us on Facebook as Sounds Like Comics Podcast. Nathan, thanks for being on the show today.
1: No worries. Thanks for having me back. And remember, kids, don't do kinky things with whips. (laughs) Okay. Uh,
0: Thanks for tuning in. We will see you next time.